Welcome to A Fistful of Truth. I am your host, Delara Essengill, and this podcast is available on Spotify, on Anchor.fm, and is soon to be available on Apple Podcasts, as well as a bunch of other platforms you can locate on the public site of A Fistful of Truth at Anchor.fm. You can also find me on my blog at DelaraEssengill.blog. In the search bar, you can type in any search that you please for topics involving the Great Awakening, truth, dimensions, the human soul, all these different types of gates, cannibal gate, uh, tranny gate, baphomet gate. Well, there's not really a baphomet gate there, but you can search baphomet, genetic manipulation, human cloning, and all sorts of other stuff from the fake presidency to trust the plan. And you can also make sure to please enter your email address if you scroll down on the right side of the blog. The only reason I ask that you enter your email address that is so important is because if we do lose touch and some weird censorship occurs, because last year, this time, I had all my social media taken down as well as the President of the United States had his Twitter account suspended. Yeah, I kept a screenshot of that because that is historic. And it was about the same day I went down with good company, General Flynn, POTUS, everybody got kicked off of Twitter. We lost our accounts. I got banned from Instagram, gone from Facebook, all sorts of things happened. So if the light should go out, the only way I'm going to be able to bring you updated information is if you go down to the blog, scroll down on the right side and enter your email address. There's no advertisers on the blog. There's no, uh, there's no, there's no donation for the blog. It's a free service bought to you by Patriots for Patriots so that you can stay up to date with real news and not a bunch of fistful of lies because there's a lot of people lying out there and you have to use your discernment to wade through that. But do enter your email address. And I do want to actually thank everyone who has done so. Uh, the blog is at almost, uh, I think it's almost at 800,000 uh, views. So a lot of people came to the blog after the great big tech uh, surge and I'm glad that the information is there for you to peruse where you don't have to scroll through a bunch of video or listen to these audio recordings, which I encourage you to listen to a Fistful of Truth daily because there's amazing content coming up here and we have had some amazing guests, but the blog is very easy to search. You can type in any search topic, like I said, and all the articles containing, for example, false flags or whatever you're looking for will come up and you can read a ton about a pedo wood and Rico and all sorts of stuff there. So use it as your archive and do your own research and use discernment when it comes to other folks because there's a lot of wolves and sheep's clothing out there and false prophets galore. So uh, thank you, first of all, for everybody who's supporting A Fistful of Truth. There is a support link on this podcast. Today, I'm so happy. Thank you for the, uh, the new members. I am at 31 members on A Fistful of Truth monthly supporters, 31 monthly supporters. So Thank you. Some of you are uh, double supporting, triple supporting. So thank you for uh, supporting A Fistful of Truth. Like I said, the podcast contains the uh, monthly subscription link. All you got to do is click on it. The subscription costs as little as 99 cents a month, folks. 99 cents a month, $4.99 a month, or $9.99 a month. So one, five, or $10 is your options. You can give more than that if you'd like with a PayPal link that's also provided in the podcast description. So thanks to all the PayPal's. You guys made this possible for me to pay for the WordPress site and other things that are coming up that require for me to are required for me to keep doing this. So my goal is 100 subscribers. If I can get to that by the end of this month, uh, that would just be make my day. It would absolutely make my day and I'd be able to keep doing this 
keep doing this for God because we, we are, none of us are free until all of us are free. It's a great song. I think it's by uh, Solomon, Solomon Burke, I think. So, uh, in, in the meantime, today is one of my favorite days. Today is the 11th magic number one eleven twenty two. That's what we're at. We're at uh, the first month, January, the 11th day. And the year is 2022. Today is Tuesday. Last week, we wrapped up uh, navigating the storm with George Pittman. And George is back and he's on fire today. He has provided us with an incredible document, which I will be publishing. I talk about it here with George in the upcoming segment called Surviving the Storm. Yes, that's right. We are going to be talking about survival matters here on A Fistful of Truth with George Pittman. He has some amazing recommendations for us that are simple, easy, and necessary during these times where we are faced with uncertainty. Who knows what's going to happen tomorrow, the next day, in a month, in a year. It is good to be prepared all of the time. We are all faced with different possibilities of natural disasters, and we are always at the hand of Almighty God. And although we do stand firm in our faith, it is good to be prepared. So let's hear what George Pittman has to say about surviving the storm on this first segment. Welcome, George. Well, welcome. You hear me? Can. We are having some connectivity issues, folks. So just uh, beware that this call may get interrupted. I am unable to use my uh, cellular service today, as is some other people that uh, live in the proximity of where I'm living. So I don't know how your connections and connectivity has been going, George, but I also heard yesterday that there are banking issues going on as well. So there's some weird stuff going on. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wonder who, I wonder why. Yeah. Hmm. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a question. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it, though? It always is, isn't it? I mean, yeah. how many times before it's mathematically impossible, right? Yeah, yeah. Just like all those uh, adverse events are just coincidences. Yeah. It's easier to ignore and uh, just pretend like they don't exist until it slaps you upside the head and it's coming. Yeah, yeah. There's a snake could bite you. Yeah. So, this is our first episode, ladies and gentlemen, of surviving the storm surviving the storm thank you for the great title george oh no problem. we will be so you prepared an amazing document um which i was able to read before this call and i suggest because george and i didn't have time to talk before this call because i can't connect through my my communications here but um perhaps we should break it down into a few sets because it's so wonderfully loaded with information. Uh, would you feel comfortable doing that? Maybe doing two segments of this or yeah, three, yeah, however whatever. you think? Yeah. Sure. However it goes and you know, whatever you want, because you know, we can, we can talk uh, quite a bit just on water purification, filtration and all that stuff. So. Well, that's uh, what happened to me when I started reading it. I'm like, wow, we could go into this. Yeah. yeah. For a while. So let's just play it by ear then. Let's just start. Um, I'll let you, take the helm and run with it. And if there's a uh, topic that you think might deserve some more attention, please go ahead and I'll just be here to, uh, to listen. Okay. Well, it'd probably be more, uh, you know, interesting to folks listening 
as opposed to just me rambling on, if, you know, we talk like a conversation, you know, and just kind of discuss like the, the types of things that happen in your area as well as mine. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you've got a little bit more excitement out in your area with wildfires. So tell us about the kind of stuff that, that you've experienced since you've lived in uh, the wonderful state of California. <laughs> was reading your list I was it said if you live in an area with this I checked it all off I got to check all of them I was like, <laughs> <laughs> so George is listing like possible different natural disasters and all sorts of emergency situations and it, it, it's like it's like a it's like a pretty decent list and I got to check all of them <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so George you know with all due respect uh, you're much better at this than I am, but I was married to a storm chaser, not a hazardous activity at all. And I oh, was, no, um, no, no. no. Um, he, I, I don't get along with adrenaline junkies. It's a joke. Yeah. So it takes one to no one. Right. And um, yeah. I have been involved with, uh, I've been in a tsunami. I've been in a several earthquakes. I've been in numerous fires and I've been in several tornadoes. So, and I'm still alive because I've been in situations where I really believed that I was not going to be alive and many people around me didn't make it. I mean, I was in situations where hundreds of people around me died and I had to help move that along somehow. So from mudslides to everything, um, you name it, this state, California has got it. So I've lived both in the North and the South of this lovely, beautiful golden state and the last series of wildfires were not wild. They were all set by the cabal, just for the record for people listening. I know you know. Right. Um, and the, one of the highest level fire officials that I got to personally uh, hear from in, in person to person um, stated that they were all set by, by people and none of them were wild. And he was very upset. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this state has everything. Right now, we're experiencing a lot of rain. We got a lot of rain last week where it just didn't stop raining, which is wonderful. I love it when it rains. But when you take a drive, and I've wanted to do this so many times, but I'm not not—I'm the one driving, so I can't be using my phone while I drive, um, even though people do, and I want to smack them when I see it. Um, you can see all the uh, surrounding terrain in the Los Angeles County area that has gotten hit with all this rain, there are literally cracks going down the sides of all the mountains. And it looks like there's veins of dirt displacement and fire debris that has just melted down and the mudslides. There's, there's huge chunks of mountains that have just come down. Hmm. And, and, and it can happen like any effing moment. So if right. you're listening to this and you're in California and you're decided to go hiking out there, don't do it. There's people getting stuck in mudslides, mudslides, mud traps. I mean, it's like the earth is caving in and you can see it. So why would you want to do that? Anyway, I live close to these areas. So I just get freaked out when I see people walking their kid. Guy was walking his like two-year-old up a mountain. I'm like, you got to be kidding me, dude. Oh gosh. It just makes me sick. But anyway, these things happen here. So there you go. You got the whole kitchen sink, George. Yeah. Well, I mean, ideally, you know, when we're talking home survival, hopefully, uh, you know, it's a situation to where after the event, uh, your, your, your home, your residence, whatever you live in, it might even be an RV, which would be cool, mm-hmm. uh, is, is still intact. 
uh, meaning that, you know, you might have some damage, but your house can still function as a shelter. And that's that's the point that we're kind of trying to get to. So however you end up in the situation, it might just be a, a prolonged power outage. Uh, but I don't know if you've well, I, I know you've been in a power outage. But the question is, what's the longest power outage you've ever been in? Ten days. Ten days. So ten days by ten days, the stuff in your freezer has gone. Melted. Done. You're finished. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. So, and that's the, that's the kind of stuff we're talking about. So, uh, now have you have you did you have running water during that time? Nope. Or, okay. So, no electricity. No running water. It was the earthquake back in. Uh, wait, that wasn't the time I had ten days. I had uh, that was another time. It was like nine days. This was back in the 80s. There was a storm when I used to live back home in Santa Cruz. And there was no power and there was no, there was mudslides everywhere and no water. And I remember, I remember cooking in the ground. My dad was teaching us how to cook food in the ground, which was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, uh, you know, in situations like that now, uh, were were there a lot of people around you, or was your house kind of out away from the busy parts of the city? Or um... I, c- I come from a small town, so it wasn't like a city situation where you got to worry yeah. about other people trying to come get your come get yeah. your supplies because that's the biggest problem. I know what you're getting to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I mean, you know, typically, you know, it still, I mean, for the for, by and large we're fortunate as a country because um you know we there are numerous uh, agencies that help when disasters happen right and, uh, for for here for instance um when the tornadoes hit western kentucky and killed all those people and i think the numbers were up to like 75 85 people that ended up dying it was horrible uh i, I don't think they had much advance warning and uh, of course, uh, FEMA uh, and the Red Cross are the top two. Even though, um, you know, you can say what you you know, uh, you and I know about the Red Cross. A lot of people don't. Yeah. So, uh, but at the same time, they they do have uh, a system and people volunteers that go out when when disasters hit, and you know they're they're good people. They're just volunteers. They then they get supplies water, food, clothing, you know, uh, personal hygiene kits and stuff like that to the victims of disasters. Uh, one thing I learned um, during the process was from my church. It happens to be a Southern Baptist church. And at least in the state of Kentucky, but I think it, it actually goes further than the state of Kentucky in, in, within the United States, continental United States. I don't know if it includes Hawaii or Alaska, but that the Southern Baptist Church is the third biggest disaster relief organization. I did not know this. Yeah, I, did, I didn't either. So uh, it's just, you know, a lot of the churches get together and they send money and uh, the, the, you know, we, we sent a van load full of uh, canned goods and, you know, non-perishable foods, as well as toys for kids and stuff like that. Uh, so, you know, it's just, it's just nice to know that there's other agencies that have nothing to do with the government that pitch in. So wonderful. Right. But, you know, we, we do have that. Um, so, you know, and hopefully neighbors who can help 
and and who can depend on you as well in your area. But you know, uh, if you live in a different country, uh, you know, or, or if you're traveling, mm-hmm. heaven forbid, and something like that happens, you know, it, it, what do you do? You know, <laughs> so the, you know, there's a lot of things to consider uh, when you're talking about home survival because wherever you are, where even if you're in a hotel, that's your temporary home. So you know, you've got to, you know, and obviously you're not going to have everything you would like in your temporary home. So you have to tailor what you have to the situation. Correct. But, um, you know, but obviously it depends on the environment. So that would be your, your country, your region, your city, your state, wherever, uh, as well as the climate, you know, it's like a uh, buddy of mine in Florida doesn't ever have to worry about snowshoes. So, right. you, you know what I'm saying? It's just common sense. Uh, you know, if you live up in Alaska, uh, you, you don't need me telling you how to deal with cold weather. No. <laughs> Other way around. They'll be telling us what to do. Right, right. Yeah, we could learn tips from you. But, you know, it's just like uh, I remember when uh, when we deployed to uh, Saudi Arabia after oh uh, the, the, the first round when uh, Iraq invaded Kuwait. And we got there in August and uh, at midnight and it was 100 degrees at midnight Oof. when we, we got out of the plane and we we're like, oh, shit. <laughs> and then for the next several weeks, it got up to 130 degrees. Wow. Yeah. So and, and we had our, you know, our regular uh, gear. So we, we were at the time. This was before the digital camo. So we had the woodland, old woodland camouflage and jungle boots. So the steel plates in our jungle boots. Oh, my God. Would, would cook our feet. Oh. And, you know, so we had to we, we, we had Jeez. to get our, our little Leatherman's tools, our little multi-tools and pull the steel. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, you know, we had to we had to learn, relearn a lot of desert survival things that, um, because we, we never spent a lot of time on with desert survival because that was uh, like uh, in terms of possibilities, it was a smaller possibility than like jungle or other types of terrain. But one of the things, uh, the, the simplest things that I thought was so cool was like, was how to, to make the walk. Because, okay, if you, your, your regular army canteen uh, or, or whatever service you were serving in, the water would be so hot, you could make coffee or tea with it. Wow. Just, just because the ambient air temperature would heat up the contents of your canteens. That's how hot it was. So when you went to drink it, I'm not saying it would, you know, burn, you know, get severe burns in your mouth, but it's really friggin' hot. In and, hot you know, weather on top of it. Right, right. So, you know, the, the easiest, but the, the simplest thing to do is you take the, the the canteen pouches or liners that hold your canteens have like a fur-like material. Uh, it's it's kind of like insulation, but you you pour a little bit of water in there, and then you put your canteen in there. And as the water evaporates from that container, it cools the water in your canteen. Wow! To the temperature of tap water. Amazing. It is. So what we did was uh, we got there. They said, oh, the water's safe to drink. We tested it. And then everybody got like dysentery. Uh, 
so, so they had to ship in crates and crates, I mean, flatbed trucks full of bottled water or distilled water. And the, you know, when you think about uh, bottled water, distilled water in the desert, you're thinking, wow, where did they ship it in from? Well, it came from <laughs> Saudi Arabia, but they had these, they had these really neat, and this is kind of off topic, but they had these really neat water purification uh, things, these, these facilities, because they've got all this oil money, but they would, uh, one of the guys described it to me is that it was like several large, uh, looks like Olympic sized swimming pools. Mm-hmm. with these metal cables running in the water hmm. they would they would pump in salt water from the ocean and then run electricity mm-hmm. through the water and it pulls out all the salt yep the desalinization right so through electromagnetics they, right and then they filter it and then bottle it so um you know it was, it was just it, it had no no taste whatsoever it hmm. was just wet it was just literally the blandest water I've ever. So there was probably even stripped of all minerals, everything, right? It, exactly. It's just, it, it's like probably. Not ionized. Yep. Right. Right. It's just, it's no taste whatsoever. Desalinated. Yep. Right. And uh, so anyway, but it was water. But what we would do is we would take like old t-shirts or a cloth or what some any kind of cloth. And we would wrap it around the bottle of water. And tie it with, you know, string, you know, paracord, whatever we had, and pour a little water on it. And that would keep the contents of that bottle. Wow. So, uh, and then the other thing we learned was like uh, making shade in the desert. uh, Because, you know, most of us had, you know, we all had our our ponchos. So we would rig up uh, like us, like trying to make shade with just a regular poncho. But even sitting underneath one layer would cook you Ugh. so we had to use our, our poncho liner in addition to the poncho and the the nice thing is is that there because of gravity there's a little separation between the poncho and the poncho liner so those two layers filter out enough radiation so that you're actually in the shade as opposed to getting cooked so you know th- there's a lot of a lot of tips for desert survival that we learned but hopefully you know you won't have to deal with too much uh, of the extreme stuff because you'll be in the safety or whatever of your ha- of your home or residence. I, mean, I won't be out in the California. We have a lot of desert out here, George. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. I was watching some film the other night that I hadn't seen for. I was actually watching uh, The Mandalorian, the, the the recent one. It's pretty good. I've seen it before, but I was revisiting it for pure entertainment purposes i don't do much entertainment but that was it and i was looking at these scenes where they've guarantee you some of those were because i've done a lot of location work on the legal end and there's a lot of scenes where you can see them it looks like they're in the middle of the saudi desert but really they're just east of la (laughs) i'm like man you would not want to be caught out there because there is like miles and miles of nothing sand and dunes and mountains it's just nuts out there yeah yeah. So, how, how far are you from Death Valley? Couple hours. Okay, because uh, you know, it, it depend, according to some searches, Death Valley uh, is hotter than Saudi Arabia. Oh yeah, it gets to be like what 130, 140 out there. It's yeah. so bad. You know, I was uh, driving through some desert areas earlier this summer when I was here, and um, you know, from 
the nearby states like uh, Nevada, Arizona, and man, I was uh, in Nevada and it was just like, I think it was like 131. I was dying. Yeah. It's just 131 degrees, dude. You're going outside and it's like, you know what that's like. Yeah. 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 And then, you then, can't breathe. No. And it just, I mean, if, if you don't have, if you're, you know, yeah, it's just going to cook you, you know. I kept thinking that too. I'm like, shit, what if my car broke down? You know, yeah. I, you've got enough stuff in there. I mean, I do. But like, I'm thinking, what the hell would you do out here? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, would I need to be like Snoopy's cousin Spike and go find a cactus and drink from it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm sure you could tell me how to drink from a cactus, George. Well, that's, that's actually something I've never done. But, <laughs> uh, but I, you know, oh. I, I, you know, yeah, the tricky part is not getting stuck. So. Oh, I know. Trust yeah, me. I was but, freaking but, out. I really was. I was like, this is just no place to be. <laughs> yeah. But the, uh, the, the, the neat thing that, and this was kind of cool because it was my first introduction to actually uh, being um, and talking, interacting with uh, special operations, our, our, our special army special forces, because they came out to do some, give us some survival training. And um, I think it was uh, maybe it was fifth group, or uh, are, maybe... are you are we back in Saudi when you're you're talking? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, back in Saudi. And one of the things they taught us was if you take like a uh, in the example, it was a clear plastic bag. It was just like a small. Hello, hello. All right. Or or general doll, you know whatever. I lost you for a second. You're back though. So we're talking about a, a, a small trash bag, right? Right. And it was, a, it was just a clear trash bag and they would find like this, just a tiny little scrub brush, uh, like a, like a tiny little bush. And they would put the bag over the bush and then uh, wrap it around the roots, you know, at the base. And, uh, it, and it, as it leaned over, you could see the, 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 as it, uh, it's producing oxygen, right, through photosynthesis, mm-hmm. and that is creating moisture. And right. as it, instead of evaporating, it collects in the bag. Mm-hmm. So you can actually drink it just right out of the bag. Of course, it's going to be warm and or hot, whatever. But uh, it's it's some source of water. But anyway, there's yeah, there's there's a ton of as long as your as long as your plant is not poisonous. Right, right. That's the other thing. You know, <laughs> knowing enough to, you know, and, and you know, with a cactus, it would poke holes in the bag. So yeah, you know, it's all, all kind of problems you have to, to face. Heathen monsters and scorpions and oh, whatever. fun things that live in the sand. Yeah, poisonous snakes. Oh yeah, spiders. Yeah, all that good stuff. Oh, the desert but... is full of fun. So is Australia. But yeah. Anyway, oh yeah. God. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the, I mean, the, just the snakes in the outback are enough to give you nightmares if you don't like snakes. <laughs> I actually have no problem with snakes, George. I'm, I don't know what it is, but I've been around, around. We have a lot of rattlers around here. Yeah. I mean, they are everywhere, especially if you pass by like a mama snake with a baby snakes in the nest. <laughs> but yeah, it's an energy thing. I, you know, you just have to know how to be around the animals and they don't bother you if you don't bother them. But a lot of people freak out, you know? Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, not everybody, you know, it's like I, I've, I've, I have, uh, they get scared when they see a snake on the television. 
<laughs> are you talking about are you talking about dudes like you? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think no. so. I didn't no, think so. I, I, I've handled I've handled snakes, uh, non poisonous and poisonous. I've got uh, a couple of snake sticks, one that I made out of an old golf club and stuff like that. So when I go hiking here, I take a I, I normally take a snake stick just to you know like move leaves off a trail uh, because you know if I do come across a poisonous one, I can use a snake to get it off the trail back into the woods whatever without getting bit so can, can we can, can we do a little aside here and i can tell a story yeah sure i was a little girl and i was playing in the yard or someplace that was you know kind of woodsy and my dad came out and looked at me and i was staring down at something i think i was three it must have been maybe two and a half three years old but i distinctly remember this and there it was there was this big old rattlesnake just just looking at me and I remember looking at it and my dad walks out and he sees he sees his kid right with this little the snake just looking at me and he said don't move and he walked up and that was like about two feet from the snake he walked uh-huh. up and he picked up the snake from the tail and he just gave it one whack and broke its spine right in front of me I didn't even move yeah <laughs> and then it was gone I don't recommend people going out there and handling rattlesnakes by the tail and trying to break their spine <laughs> I will never forget that. And he, then he cut out the uh, he cut out the rattler and gave it to me and told me to take it to school for show and tell. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I didn't I, have but, a lot of friends after that. <laughs> yeah, I, I had a I have a friend of mine who uh, his parents were missionaries in uh, in Africa, and in, in Timbuktu. <laughs> oh, oh my God! You can't make this up. So he he's a Caucasian with red hair. Mm-hmm. You think he stood out? Slightly, <laughs> just a little. Even the snakes noticed him, probably. Yeah. So he uh, he 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 found a constrictor, oh, and man. he would he would wear it to school as a belt. Oh. <laughs> and and he got suspended for it. <laughs> I can't imagine but, having that as well as the rattler when I was a kid. I already had uh-huh, problems God. from just having the rattle, you know, <clears throat> yeah, and all sorts of animal skins and all that, you know, but, um, oh yeah. Oh yeah. So these things are extreme situations where, but you know, there are people who live out in, for example, Joshua tree or death Valley, you know, and, and, you know, if you live out in Vegas, for example, I have a lot of friends that live out uh, in Nevada, you better be prepared. Cause you know, those people live in air conditioning. You can't survive. Right. You can't survive out there without the AC in the summer because that's where, you know, the 131 degrees happens. Right, right. And, and not to mention the fact that, uh, you know, uh, friends, my friends in Las Vegas say that uh, you can't drink the water out of the tap. No. Without it being filtered. Well, L.A. is just as bad. It's, it's okay. horrible here. It's, so, it's, it's like, yeah. oh, I have one of those little meters where you can test. I, I would never drink it, but. Right. It's pretty it's pretty gross. Like it's probably it's probably just sewage is at this point is what I'm thinking. It, it it could be a number of things, but the bottom line is that you've got bacteria and parasites in the water all over the place. Make you make you sick. It can cause permanent damage. And the the I mean you, you, we can talk, you know, treatment of water because uh you know, I remember growing up and I would hear them talking, you know, I grew up in Louisiana and you know, hurricanes hit, you know, obviously Katrina hit there, 
Uh, and, you know, with New Orleans and much of Louisiana being lower than sea level, uh, I remember there tends, to be, there tends to be a lot of flooding. Yeah. So they would always include bleach and the uh, recommended things, you know, for to have in your hurricane kit. But they never explained why. And, I, you know, we just, I just always assumed it was for cleaning. But, uh, but they don't tell you that if you put one drop in a quart or a liter, depending on whether you use metric or whatever, and wait 30 minutes, it kills everything, including Giardia. Now, uh, like I done tablet one drop, one, one drop, drop of bleach, not a teaspoon, not a tablespoon, and we're gonna, you're gonna be, um, we're gonna be publishing this as well, accompanying the uh, the talk we're having today. So if you're listening, folks, you can reference this in the article that George has kindly written for the benefit of all. Go ahead, George. I'm sorry. No, no, that, that's fine. It's just, but uh, you know, you want to make sure that the water's clean or clear. You know that you can see through it. So. You can use a, a T-shirt or some any type of cloth and pour whatever water you have through that cloth to filter out the stuff that you can see. But, uh, you know, once it, you get it at least mostly clear or whatever, uh, you know, one drop in, in clear water, wait 30 minutes, uh, you know, shake it up a little bit and all that kind of stuff, and you can drink it. And um, the, the hard part is, like, you can't it, – it's really hard to pour one drop out of a bottle of bleach. Right. You have to have a dropper in your kit, correct? Right. So uh, most people probably don't. Yeah. Right. But what uh, what the the, the guys uh, that taught me survival uh, taught me uh, to use uh, a nasal spray bottle. If you have a nasal spray bottle. Right. So uh, I, I had an old bottle of Afrin, which is just a brand of nasal, nasal spray. And the stuff had long expired. So I poured out the contents cleared out the, the plastic bottle really good and then carefully poured bleach with a little funnel into the, the thing. And it allows you, you don't even have to squeeze it. You just turn it upside down and you can get drops out of it. And that thing lasts for a long friggin' time, uh, you know, because you're only using one or two drops at a time, depending on how much, how big your water container is. But we would treat in, in special forces, we would treat five gallon, uh, uh, water containers and uh and and this is even in places where you know it's supposed to be safe drinking water but we would do it to prevent traveler's diarrhea because with just you know, five drops of water right one drop per gallon no well no it's it's uh it, it's one drop per quart so four drops per oh, gallon so it's four drops a gallon so, okay so thank you be, for so the clarification be, yeah so it would be uh 20 drops for five gallons but um uh, I think, wait, four times five, 20. Yeah. So, but anyway, <laughs> check my math, with all the concussions, but, <laughs> you know, but I mean, you know, that, that makes it so that you can drink it. And, you know, if you travel into another country, especially like Mexico or somewhere like that, uh, I'm sure you've heard of people that, you know, got really sick, uh, even just uh, having ice in their drink. Uh, or or even know. having a glass that's been washed in the water. I've heard that too. Right, right. So, uh, you know, something as simple as bleach. Uh, but I do want to mention uh, uh, some some safety precautions. Obviously, you know, pure bleach. And, and let me back up for a second, too. Don't use unscented or the gel type bleach, just regular liquid bleach. And it doesn't have to be Clorox brand or anything else. It can be the cheap stuff. But no but scenting. 
no additions, scent. just pure clean bleach. Chlorine bleach, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, but uh, the, the one of the guys told me that uh, that with the the guy that told me about the nasal spray bottle, he's like, make sure that you mark it clearly as bleach because. Uh, he said he had a foreign uh, oh, no. with him. Oh, no. It was at night. The guy had a cold. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and he, he, he dug through his, his backpack. We call it a rucksack. And, and squirted pure bleach up his nose. <laughs> but you, he did not like that at all, did he? No. It, it, as, as we would say in the military, that's non-habit forming. <laughs> I just love to watch somebody walk up to him and go, that's non-conforming while he's like just freaking out from the bleach up his nose. Yeah. Yeah. Poor guy. Yeah. yeah the guy told him, he's like, well, I guess that's the last time you'll start rooting through my, or will you be rooting through my rucksack, rucksack, you know, you know, stealing my stuff. Oh, so he was going through your stuff. Well, well it was, it was the, the instructor. It was he, the guy went through the instructor's stuff. Oh, even uh, worse. With, without his permission. So it was kind of like, well, that's karma. what he gets. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, too bad, you know, but yeah, definitely non-habit forming to do that. So, but uh, yeah, so bleach, you know, it, it can burn your skin, especially if it's, you know, on your skin for a prolonged period of time, not to mention ruin your clothes. Uh, and I mean, eat holes in, in clothing. Oh, anybody so, who's uh, done laundry and had to. Right. Yeah. Right. We, yeah. Yeah. You know that. So, but, uh, so even with it, even if it's in, uh, you know, a plastic bottle, I put it in like a Ziploc bag of, you know, plastic shield bag. Uh, so if it does leak, it's not going to get on anything in my pack or whatever, but it's just a really simple way to treat water, uh, it, you know, and, and you'll be good to go as long as you can wait 30 minutes. Another way is boiling water for 10 minutes, uh, but then you got to wait for it to cool down. Uh, there's, there's a lot of different filters. Um, and the one I, I mentioned is my favorite in the, in the, the document is a brand called Sawyer, S-A-W-Y-E-R. And they make filters, and a lot of these are sent to Africa because uh, at least some of them, I'm not sure about all of them, can filter like i think it's like either a hundred thousand or a million gallons damn how big how big are these things the filters they're not very big at all uh but it's it's the way that they uh they make them um and that you know i I don't know exactly what a cross section would look like for the filters but they're not a like you've seen the the i don't know if it's pronounced catadine or catadine whatever but the filters that you it's like a hand pump and you have, I have a, one of those. Okay, so you know you know how that works. Mm-hmm. Those tend to those tend to be pretty expensive, uh, and but you can you know uh, pump the water with your hand as opposed to having to work really hard to suck it through like a life straw filter. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like because you can use a life straw filter out of a, a puddle of mud, right? As long as just as long as there's enough water in it, but you really got to suck hard through that straw to get any water, right? So, a catadine filter is nice, but I don't think that you can do like a hundred thousand gallons without having to clean it or, or whatever else. But the nice thing about the Sawyer filter is, is that they have different attachments. So you can, uh, you know, if you've got just a regular, pr- pretty much any sized conventional, like, um, like a soda bottle or a one liter bottle or even a two liter bottle, whatever, as long as the, the little thing will fit on top of that. 
uh, you can put the little filter attachment on top of that and squirt the stuff out into a cup or whatever. Uh, but they also have it so that you can uh, attach it to like a five gallon bucket. So obviously you would have to drill a hole the right size in the five gallon bucket, screw the filter on. But, um, you know, it, you, you know, and once the, you have to let the filter get wet and, you know, basically soak through, but you can uh, push the dispenser like you would for like a water cooler and, you know, have the water come out. And, you know, then you, it, it's just easier to do that uh, to me than to do a lot of pumping or, you know, use a lot of energy uh, to get the water. So That makes a lot of sense. And you said they're, they're pretty small, right? Yeah. And, and they're cost effective. I mean, I actually, uh, I bought a, a couple of different versions at Walmart and uh, they've got, like I said, they've got different kind of kits. One kit that came through uh, is a, it's a larger filter. And uh, once you do like a hundred thousand gallons, you want to run water through the opposite direction to clean out any of the whatever's there. So you can backwash it and start using it all over again. How much are these things approximately? Oh gosh. Um, under a hundred bucks. I would, I think, yeah, I think it's under a hundred bucks, probably more like uh, around 50 or so. Totally affordable. And everybody should get one. Yep. Yeah. And uh, you know, if nothing else, you know, for your vehicle uh, or or camping or whatever, uh, something you can take. And um, they've got smaller versions, like I said, and one kit came with like a little uh, plastic bladder that has the right size cap so you can dip that in a lake or river whatever your water source is and then attach the filter to it and then drink out of that you can squeeze the bladder so you're not having to suck real hard so it comes Uh, with it comes with this yeah it comes with all this stuff so uh yeah walmart but you can buy them online i'm sure amazon has them but just you know just do a search for uh sawyer filters water filters and do what comes up but you know just get whatever you can afford and what's you know what's right for you what do you think about the packaged waters there's a lot of packaged <clears throat> you were you were talking about <clears throat> excuse me george I, there's been a lot of shit in the air out here from the rains and then the dust yeah. um <clears throat> there is alternative i was noticing well let me ask this question first i was noticing how you said um, be careful, like what kind of bottled water you're buying. And it should be that instead of spring water, for example, distilled or purified water will last longer. Is that correct? Yeah. Now, um, I, I don't, I, I don't know ex- exactly how much longer, but it's just uh, a, a better filtered process in terms of, uh, uh, okay, for instance, like if you have, if you're storing water in your bathtub, uh, and it's been sitting in your bathtub for a couple of weeks. I've done it's that not, when there was it, fires. I've done that. Right. It's yeah. not going to taste the same as when no. you first fill it up. No. Because it's, it's, Gross. It's, right. Because it's exposed to air and, you know, this, it starts get it starts tasting funky. And I, I don't know if you've ever had like a bottle of water, uh, just, a, you know, not, not like the bottled water that you buy, but like a water container that you put water in, tap water in. And you leave it sitting and you, you go, you know, somewhere, come back a month later and it's almost like a gel. Gross. Uh, you know what I'm saying? It's just like Gross. you got stuff floating on it. It's like it's almost like a science experiment that you put in the refrigerator for for, you know, molded food. 
So you don't, you know, you really got to be careful with water like that. That's why I mentioned that, you know, even something like that, if you're storing water uh, uh, without treating it or anything, uh, it's, it's not going to It could kill you. It could exactly. kill you. It could really exactly. just kill you. So the boiling yeah. is very important. The bleach is very important. But the bottled right. water, you know, I've noticed that when I've had bottled water, because, you know, I've been, I was raised to survive, um, the, the bottles after a while will start to deteriorate if it's plastic, which is pretty much everything that we get our bottled water in. You know, I try to avoid drinking any kind of some, anything out of plastic, but the uh, plastic will eventually start to crinkle. So if people notice that if you have, like, for example, if you've ever left a water bottle in your car, that's a bad idea, by the way, because cars heat up, plastic seeps into your water, all sorts of stuff happens. So don't, don't do that unless it's an emergency. But anyway, um, the water bottle will start to like shrivel up. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's bad news. Yeah. So ideally, I mean, if you, if you can, if you're going to, you know, keep it, you want to store it in a place that's not, it's not getting direct sunlight. It's uh, climate it, you know, controlled, preferably. Cli- yeah. Climate controlled. Exactly. Uh, you know, and, and you know, and after a while, you probably, you know, I don't know how long, uh, I mean, maybe after a couple of months, you know, you know, use it and get new, get a new couple of cases of water. Right. But, uh, Rotate yeah. your supply. Yeah. Don't, don't keep it for four years and then try to drink it. You know? No. What do you feel about the packaged like MRE style waters? Uh, the, the, I don't have a problem with those other than the fact that it's not a whole lot of water. At least no. From what I've seen, it's just like a small amount. Tiny pouches. Yeah. Right. They'll, they'll put that in some of the survival kits that you can purchase and uh, you know, but you can't see uh, the water. So it's good that, you know, it it prevents sunlight from getting in there and in a pinch, you know, it's, you can, you know, drink the water from it and, and, you know, at least you got something It's better than nothing, but um, you know, it's like the, Oh gosh. Speaking of which, one time I had to drink the contents of an IV bag. Oh, uh, <laughs> hopefully it was saline and not blood. Just kidding. Uh, no, no, it, it was it was uh, it was a lactated ringer. Oh, it tasted like ass. Oh. You know, not that I've ever tasted ass. But, no, you know. <laughs> but if you it, had it to was, think about what that may taste like, oh god, yeah, it it was bad. Uh, and I even tried pouring like the. Uh, some of the flavored drink powder from an MRE into it, <sighs> it was still nasty, but I had to get fluids in me because, you know, I had dysentery. Oh but, man. Oh yeah. So what you, you know, guys go through. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't have uh, the IV line or I would have given myself an IV. So but, yeah, it was the only option I had. So I just, you know, whatever, but yeah. So, you know, just think about all these things, you know, have, uh, you know, cause water, I mean, you need water. You can go without food for you know two or three days, depending, uh, in order in a survival situation. But you need water, and typically, you know, for for storage purposes, for planning purposes, uh, it's like basically figure on one a gallon per person per day, and that's a lot of water. It is. It is. It's not and, as. It's not. You, you know, think about what he's saying, folks. A gallon per person per day. Yeah. A gallon. How many, yeah, yeah. How many people are in your family? Right. 
Yeah. So, I mean, if, if you, if you calculated, if you were some, if you measured every drop of water that you drank out of your sink or whatever your home in a, in a day, it, it may not be that much, but, um, it's good to have that much because, you know, you obviously you're not going to, may not consume that much if you're not in a hot climate, but if you're in a hot climate, you may consume more just right. because you're sweating so much, but it's a good, it's a good, uh, planning figure. And then obviously you may want to try to uh, ration what you've got if you've got a limited amount and it's hard to get more. So, but, right. uh, you know, Here, drink it if you need it. I want to kind of recap this whole water, water talk, um, this water, watch the water, right? Watch the water. Um, right. I believe that it's a good idea to have a bunch of these things that you're talking about. If people are listening out there, and I'm sure you're going to agree, don't just rely on one source of water. You know, for example, George, I've always had my stock up regular, whatever you want to call it, distilled, purified, bottled water. Um, and then a second to have a some sort of water filtration system. So that if you don't have electricity and you're not able to build a fire to boil for 10 minutes or more, your water to disinfect it and make sure that you're not, you know, swallowing up any bugs and parasites. You better have a system where that water and test it to see. So there's these little testing kits you can buy, right? To see if your water is, is clean or not. I have one of those. Um, It's a good idea just to have one, I think. Um, And then there's, you you can maybe help me out here. And then there's like the, uh, oh, the so there's levels of, of go bags, right? We, we'll get into that too. <laughs> right, living with right, a, right. being married to a storm chaser and then living in California with it, but having traveled the whole country through weather systems and other countries. Oh my God, those stories. Um, <clears throat> I always, I'm always ready to go. Like I have my stuff packed wait for an emergency. I have a fire bag ready to go. So I just pick it up and leave and we can get into all those other things. But as far as the water goes, what is, what are the little, um, there's like a little, I have this little, like, it's not a cheap little device. It's not like 20 bucks or 30 bucks. It's more like closer to a hundred dollars and it's in my, uh, go bag, but you can be anywhere outside. I don't know what those things are called. You could be anywhere like at a stream or a lake. And this, is that the one that where you have to suck the water through? Or I don't yeah, think you. I don't if, think you if, do. If, you just pour it right through it, and it, it filters it. If if it's uh, a life straw, is is going to be a lot less expensive than that. So it's probably something that like a more like a a, a higher quality filter. A life straw, uh, it, you know, it'll say life straw on the packaging, and you don't want to no, open no. it until you're. It's ready not to that. No, this yeah. is different. Yeah, this is something that actually you pour it through, and then there's a there's a bunch of things on the market. But what I was right, trying to right. get to was. Be prepared on different levels because if your water gets shut off, your electricity might still be on, which has happened to me in a city, living in a city. Um, or, you, you know, then you go to your what you're, you're using up first, your bottled water supply. Then you might have a water filtration system where you can use tap water, but you got to have a testing kit to make sure that there's no creepy crawlies in there. Right. Um, and then the third line of defense is, oh, shit, head for the hills. Um, you know, that's where you're, right. you're sucking things out of streams and putting bags over trees and hopefully you're not putting it over a poisonous tree. Right. And one of the, <clears throat> the things that we were, we were trained over and over again in special forces on was an acronym called PACE, uh, for contingency planning. So you've got your primary, 
alternate contingency and emergency means. So just like what you said, don't plan on just one thing, have, you know, multiple uh, things. It's like, you know, you, you talk about go bags, even like a first aid kit. I've got a home first aid kit, a large one. Mm-hmm. I've got smaller first aid kits in the home. I've got uh, several in different go bags and I've got a couple in the, in the, in my vehicle, you know, they're <laughs> just like flashlights. I got flashlights everywhere. You know? Same. It's the same. Cause once yeah. you're in a situation, I mean, you're trained, this was your job. Right. I was just around way too many scenarios, people, places and things from my lines of work that I got to see uh, people like yourself and meet people like yourself and, um, just see scenarios where you'd walk into a situation that wasn't good. You know, you'd see people in an earthquake, for example, um, because when coroners get bodies, they have to figure out how people died. Um, right. if there's any foul play and stuff like that. But a lot of times I saw people that were just dehydrated. Um, they were just didn't have enough water during like an earthquake situation or a, even a fire situation. You know, people die of simple things that could have been avoided had they been prepared. So that's kind right. of what... I, what we're talking about here is, you know, don't go crazy and, and start taking survival classes. Although those are great, you know, go do that. I, I recommend everybody knows how to survive and, and gets those skills. But right now today, without, you know, having to lift your butt off the couch, you probably know what's inside your home and take right. inventory, right? I mean, inventory should be the first thing people are doing. Right. And, and, you know, some of the, the things, you know, a lot of it's really just common sense. But mm-hmm. a lot of people just don't take the time to really think about what they need uh, in, in a in an emergency situation, and and until you know, the then, emergency hits, right? So you know, do the thinking and planning ahead of time. Uh, get the training. It, you, you can even watch videos. There's plenty of stuff on various video platforms. Screw tube, right? <laughs> YouTube, whatever. Yeah. For, for, you know, uh, survival, uh, I mean, there's a couple that I like, but, you know, find somebody that you like. I like, in, I like people that aren't like, um, uh, that don't, don't have an attitude like I'm the smartest person in, on earth. Ego. You know? yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's not my personality. No. You know? It's like, uh, th- there's people that are a lot better than this, at this than I am, but I've done it for a long time. So I know it works for me. And find out what works for you, but you got to take the time and think about it and, you know, try to be as prepared as possible for your home. Because, I mean, if it's it's one thing if it's just you, but if if you're you know, you've got a household, you've also got a plan for your your children, your loved ones, whatever. And if you've got somebody that's got health issues, oh, gosh, I mean, they're obviously they're going to need clean water to take their medicine, um, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, and, and if you have pets, you got to factor in for your pets as well, right? Absolutely, absolutely. So but the nice thing about water is pets can drink whatever you know. <laughs> like, can they though? Can they though? Well, I was going to ask you that. What do you think about that? Because, I mean, pets are yes, animals have a little different GI system than we do. Most of most animals, unless you have a highly yeah. sensitive animal, I've had I've had pet birds and, and stuff like this that are far more sensitive than you and I could even imagine. Yeah. Um, but well, if, you're, if you have like a cat or a dog. Yeah. Yeah. Cats, dogs, you know, I, I mean, I just, you know, they, they'll they'll drink out of, you know, the pond or whatever. And it's got, you know, mold growing on it. And, you know, you know, they're fine. <laughs> and we do yeah. that. And we're we're in the hospital. Yeah. 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 
So, but yeah, I mean, it, uh, you know, obviously if you can, you know, I, I'm not going to, you know, put uh, lake water in my dog's water bowl. I'm, I'm using tap water, but uh, I, I've known people that will only, you know, give their, their pet bottled water. And, and mm-hmm. you know, if that's what you want to do, that's fine. I'm just saying it's like, okay, you know, I just, I, I wouldn't do that, but that's fine. But I don't brush my dog's teeth or either, you know, that's just right. me. So and it uh, depends on where you live too. I guarantee you, if you lived in LA and I poured you a glass of this water here and you looked at it, your dog would not be drinking it. No way. <laughs> yeah. Good point. Good point. So we, we talked about all this water and I know um, maybe we could talk about food on this particular segment and then we'll move into the rest of it on the next segment. Um, okay. Would you mind going into a food, that, you know, the purchases of food that might be helpful to people and what, what sure, is good? And- sure. Uh, well, the easiest thing to do is like, okay, let's say, for instance, um, I mean, there, there's several companies uh, uh, for Patriots, Wise, uh, Mountain House, uh, Food for Patriots. I don't even know if that's the same as, you know, th- there's a lot of different companies and they may have more than one name. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I purchased uh, a uh, survival food. I've got six months worth for one person and uh, it's got a 25 year shelf life. Uh, it, I mean, it's not the most tasty stuff in the world, but all you got to do is mix, pour bowl, boiling water in it up to a fill line and let it sit and, you know, then you can eat it. It's simple. But if you don't want to go through all that and you don't want to spend the money on MREs, the meals ready to eat, uh, which they can be pretty pricey uh, and the case is only like 12. So, you know, figure two meals per day uh, for an adult, you know, that's, you know, six days. So, and that shelf life on those is not as long, but what you can do if you don't want to go through all that is uh, you can uh, do like a search uh, online for different types of survival foods that you can purchase in the store. And and a lot of that is just canned goods. Uh, Just keep in mind that even canned goods are only good for a certain amount of time, like a can of tuna, uh, you know, check the dates on it, the expiration dates. So it might be two or three years. Uh, it just depends. So you want to check those, those types of things, but pick the types of foods that you and your family uh, can eat and figure out how much, you know, you would need to have because you want to be able, I I recommend being able in your home at least, uh, to go for 30 days without going to the grocery store. Yep. So, so if you're without power or in water for 30 days, like I said, the stuff in your freezer, freezer and freezer has gone bad by now. And even if you've got ice chest, if you can't go get ice, it's, it's going to go bad. So yeah, you can eat the stuff uh, that you can prepare. I mean, obviously, you know, you're not going to be able to, you know, do much with a microwave dinner, but uh, you know, the, the other foods, you know, you can, you know, cook on this, on some type of stove that you, you know, whatever you can, you can do that, but, um, you know, just pick types of foods because it's sometimes it's nice just to be able to open a can and eat it right out of the can. Uh, there's also, I don't know if you've seen like the tuna and salmon and like the little mylar or foil looking pouches, uh, you can just tear those open and, you know, eat it right out of there without having to do anything. And it's, some of them are seasoned, you know, once again, check the shelf life. Um, so there's common there's sense, things, right? Yeah. There's a lot of things, but just make sure that you understand, um, 
the type of food, what type, you know, what types of healthy foods, like, if, you know, uh, you don't want to eat stuff that's, you know, you're allergic to, obviously. It's, a lot of it's just common sense, but it's just picking, making sure that you have food set aside for the emergencies that you can use to feed yourself and, or your entire family. The simpler, the better, I find. You know, I've been stocked up on MREs and all sorts of uh you know, secondary, ter- ter- tertiary food sources. But I find that the easiest thing is what you're talking about. You know, the pouches of tuna, pouches of chicken, whatever it is that you want to buy. Uh, if you have cans of tuna or chicken, make sure you have a can opener. Um, things like this that you would be surprised, you know, pretend, go through a, go through a drill. Pretend like there's a fire, pretend like there's a a shutdown and try to live like that and see what you're missing. Cause you're not going to know what you're missing until you actually run through it. Yeah. And and hopefully most people that are listening and and reading it have, you know, have experienced, uh, you know, uh, some type of power outage or situation where, you know, at least made them think, uh, you know, uh, do I, you know, do at least have a candle when the power goes out or a flashlight or something. So I can see, so I don't use up all the battery in my phone, but yeah, uh, food is, you know, food is very important, uh, obviously. And, you know, we like to have our comfort foods, uh, you know, MREs, you know, are are, are just easy because, uh, you know, if you've ever been in the military or even eaten an MRE, uh, most of them come with what they call a flameless heater Mm -hmm. and it's, it's got a chemical, uh, compound in there that you pour water up to a fill line. The water reacts with the, uh, the, whatever the chemicals are, and it doesn't have to be good water. It can be lake water, you know, whatever. Uh, but at any rate, you, you put that, whatever, the main meal on top of that, and we would put them inside the empty box to keep it close together. And then you wait however long until it heats up and, you know, you don't have to start a fire. So, uh, just, right. yeah, just don't inhale the fumes. Because, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I know it doesn't smell very good. Um, yeah. The the other thing is also that um, there are so many other options. You were saying, like you know, for survival foods um, that people uh, that, that that they don't need to heat anything. But um, what was I going to say? I was going to say something about the uh, the heating of the food. You mentioned, oh yeah, you know what? Another handy little item this doesn't do it, do it justice, but you know, those hand warmers that people use yeah, that, that you can break, right. those will warm up some of your food. But you know, if you're in a situation where it's like, you know, do or die, you're not going to be worried if it's warm or not. I think at that point, you're just going to be, yeah. 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 The, the, you know, but, but if, you know, like if you've got to uh, boil water to purify it, uh, you might as well use it to, into uh you know something that you know like freeze-dried food that's gonna you know so but you know how are how are you gonna boil water like you were talking about before you know do you have like a maybe a charcoal grill or something outside that you know you can heat it up uh and put a, a metal pan on top of it so you know it's like even even like sometimes the um the cookware in your house is not suitable for an open flame uh, you know, like uh, what I'm talking about was with firewood, you know, it's, it's made to go on like a burner, uh, whether it's, uh, the old fashioned circular electric stove or, a, um, whatever the ceramic top, you know, mm-hmm. you, you might have a special thing. So it's like Teflon, uh, 
doesn't react well uh, to really hot open flame with flames, you know, licking over the sides like that. It's also really toxic and bad for you, Teflon. That's exactly. So yeah. think about all that kind of stuff. So sometimes just regular, uh, even if it's cast iron or stainless steel, just good old fashioned stuff. Old school. Yeah. Old school is better for like survival situations. So, uh, you know, having, having a means of, of heating up, whether it's um, a camp fuel or a, a little propane stove, something like that, that you can, you know, you can get those little small bottles of propane and they've got little stoves that you just screw on top of that. And as a little base, you put the, um, the, the propane in so it doesn't tip over. Mm-hmm. And you can put a, put a pot right on top of that. It just takes a little bit longer to you know, to heat, but you want to do all that outside as opposed to inside, especially if your windows are closed because you need proper ventilation uh, and it's just safer to cook outside unless you, you know, use an electric or whatever. And these are basically, you're talking about the little, like for the, for the audience, uh, the propane cook cookware sets that you can get like from REI or on Amazon or wherever you want to go shopping, find a Patriot supply store, do it there. It's much better. Um, but you know, these things are readily available and people who've been camping or are, are in the outdoors, you know what we're talking about, but if you haven't, and you're, you know, you're in the cities and you, you haven't been camping and you don't know what we're talking about, there's little stoves you can buy, just like George said, with a little propane tank, you just pop it in there and you've got a little hot plate going. So all right. those, and, but, but what if you don't have access to that? You know, are you going to teach us how to rub two twigs together, George, and start a fire in the woods? I mean, does that really well, work? Do, do the Bugs Bunny cartoons really work? Uh, you know, <laughs> that's, that's actually a fire bow. And I, that's not <laughs> something I've ever spent time in, you know, <laughs> using a fire bow. I, I, I understand the concept, but that's something that you have to practice. Just like, <laughs> even it's something like using a ferro rod where mm-hmm. you're, you know, or with a flint and a striker, uh, you know, getting a spark. Uh, we can talk about that. And another thing, you know, f- you know, cause I've got some really easy ways to start a fire. And okay. it's like, if it's, if it's raining and stuff like that, and you really need to get a fire going, one of the simplest and easiest things to do is to get a road hazard flare. Of course. You know, and just light that thing and put it in the fire and get the fire going. <laughs> you know, like, you know. Those things are but, great. Yeah. Yeah. So that'll, that'll get hot enough to start your fire. Of course, you, you know, but we can talk more about that in another episode. Too. Yeah. We'll, we'll save that one. Cause there's a lot of good stuff on here. Okay. So oh, today, yeah. today on surviving the storm, we went over water, which was a huge, probably the most important thing. Um, and we also, so water and food we covered today, George. And uh, what would you like me to do? Should I post, I'm going to post the water and the food part. And I'm going to save the rest for later. So we'll just do it in sections because that way when people have questions, we don't want to get ahead of ourselves. So just give, give people this information in chunks yeah. so they, they, can, they can start getting prepared and check these things off their list, right? Right. So uh, what you might want to do is include the, the, the abbreviated list and then the expanded uh, water yes. and food underneath it. That's what I'm because, doing. Okay. So at least they can look and say, okay, these are the types of things that I need to at least be thinking about to have mm-hmm. in, in my house. And then, you know, then they can read the, uh, the more detailed description of, you know, water and food. Great. 
And at the end of all of this, when we're done with this section of survival, surviving the storm, what I'll do is I'll take your uh, beautiful and very well-written uh, guide that you've provided here, um, and I will PDF it and provide it on the uh, website as well as in the Telegram channel so people can reference it. And it'll be pinned up there so people can just download it and, and use it and print it and do whatever they need to. Take it to the store, make a list, put it in their closet, tape it up to something, whatever you need to do with it. So we'll do that at the end. Sounds good. All right. Thank you so much for your time, George. Your, your wealth of information. A pleasure to talk to. All right. Always a pleasure. Thanks. God bless. Bye-bye. was a wonderful introduction to Surviving the Storm with George Pittman. We talked about your water source, which is probably the most important thing that you should have at the very top of your list, which is why I I know George put it at the very top. It's number one. Uh, We are made primarily of water. I think it's like a, we're, what is it, 90 something percent water when we're born and when we die, we're like 60 something percent water. And I was fortunate enough to work with a wonderful man named Dr. Masaru Emoto, who uh, did a lot of water experiments and showed us how water, which our bodies are comprised of, affects our, our well-being and affects us spiritually, physically, mentally, and um, in all dimensions. I was very sick when I met Dr. Emoto, and he was the reason, the primary reason Actually, I should say 99.9%. I think my 0.1% was my belief, was the size of a mustard seed, which grew over the years. And here I am talking about water and survival uh, techniques for water with George Pittman. But to remember Dr. Masaru Emoto, I put love and gratitude on all of my water bottles and water sources. I write those words on there. And if you can take a look at all of his work, uh, I do have a surprise guest coming up that you're going to love that will talk about uh, water and Dr. Emoto's work up in the near future. But um, until that happens, I won't be announcing it formally. But do check out Dr. Emoto's work regarding water and how our intention alone can affect the molecular structure of water as well. So do what you need to do. Get your survival gear in order. Make sure that you are uh, taking this information you know, always with a grain of salt, do your own research and take these as recommendations. But George does have some great life experience and he's bringing that to us free of charge here on a fiscal of two. So take advantage of it and definitely um, start putting together your list. And if, if you do have the time, you know, we're doing this weekly, maybe pace yourself instead of trying to go do everything at once and get overwhelmed because it can be overwhelming preparing for emergencies. You know, everything that's done well is done well in time. So take your time and check out the uh, post that I'll be posting later today on the blog at DelaraEssengill.blog. It'll have the same title as this podcast today, Surviving the Storm with George Pittman. And you will be able to see the list that George has provided us. And at the end of our first part of the series, I'll be providing the PDF that George is uh, providing here that I, I get to see. And you guys will get to see eventually the whole thing once we're done talking about all the different topics and perhaps start preparing your water and food up until next week when we start talking about other topics so that every week you prepared a piece of your survival kit for uh, for home because that's what we're talking about. All right. Well, thank you for tuning in to A Fistful of Truth. 
Also note that tomorrow is Wednesday night. Normally I have a Wednesday comedy night. It may or may not happen tomorrow, I don't think, because I have some things that I need to take care of, like upgrading equipment. Um, I need to change out some equipment because I'm having some connectivity issues as well as uh, do some upgrades. So I need to take the time to uh, re refine, take a break from trying to chop down the tree and sharpen the ax, if you will, so that we can be a little more efficient here. So if you don't hear from A Fistful of Truth tomorrow evening, don't worry. We will be back next Wednesday with A Fistful of Laughs. And Thursday, uh, you may hear from me again. It just depends on how long it's going to take to upgrade this stuff. But next Thursday, we will resume the uh, next series coming up with retired LAPD Sergeant Mike Fanning, which will be moving on from the LAPD. Obviously, we concluded the LA Non-Confidential series that I keep urging you guys to listen to. If you haven't checked it out, please do. It is located on the uh, various platforms in which this podcast is available. So next week, you can look forward to that. And do check out Monday, yesterday's uh, Monday Matters with Maria, because there's some important information in there. And it's all tying together. Everyone that's involved in this podcast, George to Maria, Mike, we're all talking about the same types of things that have to do with this. You know, the truth is the truth. So it's all going to come together. So check out Monday Matters as it involves uh, the last episode also of Navigating the Storm, which George had brought up last week, uh, has been mentioned in Monday Matters as well. Thanks for tuning in. God bless you all. I look forward to seeing you at the latest Friday, if not earlier. But in the meantime, I will be in the Telegram channel uh, sometimes if my connectivity works as well as on the blog. So do find me there. Thanks again. And where we go one, we go all. Thank you.